Well, hey, and uh, it's great to connect with you uh, again on a Sunday where we can worship together in spirit. Uh, if you're the, just clicking on for the first time and joining us online here at, at Friends Church, I just want to say welcome to you. My name is Eric, and I'm one of the pastors, and it's a joy for me to be able to share with you here today of uh, our next uh, message, installment of our series called Family Ties, where we are combing through the book of Ephesians. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to Pastor Steve's uh, message last week where he kicked off our series. And not only walking us through some of the context and the background of Ephesians, but also setting the stage for how God had been working and, and what God was doing through the gospel, through the death the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, particularly for those first Christians, those early believers, and how they were trying to figure out how to be the people of God directly after all of those series of events. So, so check that out, and uh, grateful to be able to share with you uh, now out of chapter two of the book of Ephesians. So uh, if you have your Bibles at home, I encourage you to turn to chapter two in the book of Ephesians, and we'll be combing through that uh, together. Now, I have no idea how many weeks we have been in social isolation or quarantine, whatever you want to call it. It just seems like a really long time. And if you're anything like me, you have started to bump up against some of your limits. Now, some of those things are really obvious, like my actual limits of, of resources. It seems like the refrigerator is getting empty a lot quicker. The kids, if my kids are growing anyways, there seems to be a lot less food around the house and the limits of our groceries seems to be uh, hitting at a much faster pace. Um, but I also was reminded yesterday as I ran to Costco that there's just a limited n amount of toilet paper. I have a funny story with that. We have a three-year-old that we happen to be potty training at, the, at this time and I let her on her little potty and, and I w left the room and gave her her privacy and I come back only to find a whole roll of toilet paper had been unraveled, is lying there in a pile on the floor. And I said to her, do you understand what you just did and how precious this commodity is right now? That was one moment I was certainly reminded of, my, of our own limitations. But I imagine that you are reminded or feel your limits being bumped up against in a lot of different ways too. Maybe your time. Maybe your energy and your strength. Maybe your, your patience. Have you been parents? Have you been homeschooling your children? Let me tell you, my patience is about up when it comes to trying to homeschool my kids and all the things that are incorporated into that. So I imagine that as much as we thought that during this time of isolation, we, we would have more time, we'd have more rest, we'd have more energy, we'd have more of things, I think the, the opposite has been the truth, that we've had less. We've been reminded of our limits and our, our limitations. And so, ironically, I, I wanted to, to speak today about hospitality. And I, I know that sounds really strange because uh, if we're obeying the, the guidelines, uh, you know, none of us are letting strangers or other people into our home. We're not entertaining guests during this time. But hospitality to me has a more expanded view. It, it really means to give space to things that we otherwise haven't been giving space to. We've been giving space to, to things that otherwise are not a part of the picture. 
And I think that that expanded idea of, of hospitality, doesn't that ultimately, doesn't the real definition of hospitality also include the giving of space for, for all of those things? Like our, our time and our attention and our uh, emotional capacity, even when we're accepting strangers into our home. I'm reminded of a story about a pastor who just moved into town and uh, took a new church and had just moved into town and realized that uh, they, just when they got into their new home, the utilities weren't working. And, and so they needed a, a place to you know, shower and, and get all those things done. And, and so they called one of the new parishioners up and said, I'm sorry to do this. Can, can I come over to your home and can our family shower? And do, oh, of course. And they let them on in and, and all of that. And the family came in and, and you know, after a little bit of time, you know, they were exchanging pleasantries and it was a nice visit. And suddenly uh, the, the pastor, he sniffs the air and said, oh, what, what were you baking? And he said, oh, they said, well, you know, we, we were making cookies. Said, oh, I love cookies. Well, this host had not planned to uh, make cookies for all of these different people. They had made these cookies for a whole different reason. And so she gets the cookies and, of course, serves all the cookies to, to the guests. And then someone from the family, oh, you know what? I, ju I just cannot eat cookies without a nice cold glass of milk. And she looks in her fridge. Oh, she's got a limited amount of milk. And, and all of a sudden, this joy of welcoming someone uh, into their home unexpectedly eh, becomes a little bit of an inconvenience. That's what hospitality does. It, it presses on our limits and our limitations. So why is that important? If we are in the midst of a time in which our limits are being pressed, when it comes to, to being the church and, and to being the people of God, as, as we learn about that in the book of Ephesians, and we explore this idea of family ties and how we as a spiritual family are, are tied together, we're gonna be reminded of our challenges with that. That as much as it's glorious and wonderful to think about how we are all united as the people of God, when it comes down to actually doing it and actually living out and being the church on a daily basis, we are reminded that we are limited in that. And it's tough sometimes. Now we might have permission to stay distant right now, but that is only a reminder that it's difficult sometimes because we as a church sometimes are distanced, but we certainly are different. And so in this time, I think this is a perfect time to navigate what it looks like to, to press into our limitations and to truly allow God to shape and to form what it looks like to be God's people together as the church. Because as many challenges as we might face, with different people or even oppositional people that are in the body of Christ. Here's what I want us to remember, that the beauty and the power of the church is through, by way of our distance or our differences, not despite those distances or those differences. And we're gonna see how Ephesians plays that out. 
Ephesians is an awesome book. I, I love combing through it, especially after Easter, because Ephesians really addresses the why. Why did God do it this way? Why, why did God send his own son to die on the cross and to be raised on the third day? What's What's, what's God up to? What's, his, what's the method to his madness? And, and Ephesians addresses that, particularly in light of the first century and all the problems that were, that were facing uh, the, the early church in that day. Ephesians is a, a, a really interesting city. It had a big shrine and temple dedicated to the, the Greek god Artemis. And, and Pastor Steve took us through the geography and sort of the, the lay of the land when it came to Ephesians uh, last week. But in the church specifically, uh, really as a, as a parallel and a reflection of what was happening in that general area, you really had a mixture between Jew and, and Gentile when it came to the Christian church. Now previously to this, the Jews and the Gentiles were seen as divided. And they were very much divided in every sense of the word. Jews were, were meant to live in isolation to themselves in their own isolated communities. And, and they were to uh, practice their faith in their own ways, separate from any other way that was, uh, uh, that was around them in the surrounding areas. This was established both through the law and through all the other ordinances of the faith to remain holy or, or set apart and separate from the worlds around them. And, and the worlds around them had all kinds of different religious beliefs and practices. And in, in order for God to, to truly contain that and to truly um, order and, and show people what it looked like to reflect his very nature and his own character, he asked them to remain holy to be set apart, to be distanced from, from the ways of the world so that they, as the people of God, as Israel, as Jewish people, they would reflect the very nature of God or, as the scripture says, to be a light unto the nations. That was their task. But now in this new covenant, in this new relationship, God was doing something, doing something new in Jesus. That where there were divisions before, now God is gathering all things in heaven and earth, as it says in chapter 2, unto himself. Where these two people groups with separate national identities, separate ethnicities, separate languages and ways of seeing the world, a divided people were now being brought into one. Here's, here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, if you want to follow along. For he himself is our peace, meaning Jesus, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him we both have access to the father by one spirit. Can you imagine the perspective that these two people groups have. First, for the Gentiles' perspective, 
People that were raised to think a certain way, to believe a certain way, suddenly have new people coming into town proclaiming a a, a good news called the gospel of Jesus Christ. That now God, one God, Yahweh God, was now including them into the whole picture. And that if they were to surrender their hearts and their lives to him, they wouldn't have to become Jewish in order to become Christian. They could simply just come to Christ without any barriers. Think of the freedom and and the excitement and the joy that would have come in the hearts of those Gentiles. And and we get an image from Ephesians and from a a lot of the different scriptures, uh, an image of adoption. Can you imagine a child who'd been longing to be claimed by an adult, by a parent, to say, you are now my child. Can you imagine the joy and the exuberance that that child would have? But then there's also this other people groups, the biological children, if you want to chase that uh, metaphor, that have been in that home the whole time, and you wonder if they're sitting to them, saying to themselves, well, hey, look, you know, we've been here the whole time. We've been faithful. We've been following all the laws and the ordinances. We've been your people, even in the midst of adversity. And, and, and you're including all these other people now? Did you check with us first? I mean, have you asked us what this is going to be like? If we're going to all live together in harmony, if we're all going to live in, in the same household, have, have you asked us? how that's going to impact our lives and how that's going to affect us. And the truth is that Jesus was talking about this even in the midst of his own ministry. He tells a story about a father and a son. And the son decided that he was tired of of living his life in the house of his father and he was ready to go out and and live a life on his own. But he didn't have any resources, so he went to his father and said, I want my inheritance early. Which in that day was essentially saying, I, I want you dead. I'm, 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 I'm acting as though you're dead, and I want to take my inheritance now. And this story goes on to tell us that the, this prodigal son, he, he goes out and he lives wild living, just lives for himself. He lives it up. And then becomes empty. He has nothing left to his name. He sells himself off as a servant, a slave to, 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 a, to a farm and he's serving the, the slop to the pigs and it says that he longed, he was so hungry, he longed for the slop that the pigs were eating. And he suddenly realizes that, you know, his, the slaves or the servants that his father had back at his old homestead, you know, that, those servants, they had it much better than he has it now. So he had this idea, what if I just go back? I know it's going to be hard, but what if I just go back and just turn myself over back to my father, but as a slave, as a servant? And the story goes on and tells us that, that while this young man was still far off, and we get the same language here that Paul is using in Ephesians, still far off. The father spots him and he runs out to meet him. He wraps his arms around him in love. And before the the son could even get out his rehearsed speech about how he was going to turn himself over as a slave, the father, it's like he wasn't even listening. He puts cloak on him and he says, come on, we're going to have a party because my son 
was lost, and now he is found. And so while they're having this party for this prodigal son, the brother comes back from a long day at work, working for his father, and he's livid. He can't believe that the father would act in this way after he had been so offended by this other brother of his. He's not going to welcome him back with all that love and grace and mercy. He was resentful. And the father go, turns to this resentful brother and he says, look, you've, you've always had everything that I've given you. Come into the party because this son that was once lost is now found. Those Jews, those people of Israel were the resentful brother. They were the Pharisees that just couldn't accept Jesus as the Messiah because he wasn't checking all of their boxes that they had in their mind for the Messiah. They were power hungry, they were resentful, and they just could not come to grips that God was doing something new, that, that God was opening up the kingdom of God, not just for them, but for all people. And in that, we find th this invitation and this, this challenge for all of us that have come to believe in God and have grown in the faith and have sought to be faithful to God, that there's always going to be more space. There's going to be more room in the house. There's going to be another plate at the table. As long as we're on this earth, as, as long as God is doing his work, there's always going to be space for more. See, this is the very part of the gospel message. And, and it's tempting for us to always look at the gospel in a very individual sense, like what Jesus did for me so that I could go to heaven and enjoy the inheritance that God had set before, uh, for me before, uh, before I was even born. But what God was doing is so much bigger than us as individuals. And our acceptance of what God is doing in the lives of other people is also a part of us living out the gospel. I love this quote from A.T. Pearson. He says, to a true child of God, the invisible bond that unites all believers to Christ is far more tender and lasting and precious. And as we come to recognize and realize that we're all dwelling in one sphere of life in him, we learn to look on every believer as our brother or sister in a sense that is infinitely higher than all human relationships. This is the one and only way to bring disciples permanently together. All other plans for promoting the unity of the church have failed. And this is our, our challenge. We are forced now to make connections far beyond just face-to-face -face or in person. We're relying on technology. But technology continues to promote and make available different ways for us to connect, but on our own terms. Ways to connect with other people where we can control the reactions that we have, the responses that we make, the timing in which we get back to people. It's entirely convenient for, for us when it comes to communication. 
Entirely different than when we are face to face and in person. And it's tempting. It's tempting through these modes of communication to stay even more distanced or to shrink our circles of connectivity and who we are connecting with. And it's in this time we need to remember that the very gospel message is about making space at the table for one more and one more. Now, I'm not asking you here, and I know a lot of you are stressed out and you, you're at your limit. So please hear that I'm not asking you to do anything more. I'm asking you to consider the very nature of the gospel. And out of that consideration and reflection, if God says something to you, I encourage you to do it. Because I, as I look back on this year at our church, I look at how different you all are. I, I look at how, how you see the world differently and you come from different even nationalities and backgrounds and cultures and, and ethnicities. And it's beautiful and it's powerful. And I see God working through that. I, I remember looking at, at all the, the ladies coming through on Thursday mornings for our Mastering Motherhood ministry and how different you all are. I love on Saturday mornings once a month sitting down with our, our guys at our Men's Connect and how different everybody was, young and old and different perspectives. And it's beautiful. One of the highlights of my year at church this year, and maybe for you too, is in last fall we had a diversity dinner. And people would make ethnic dishes from their backgrounds or from their own ethnicities. And it was just an amazing time. We're singing and we had an amazing presentation of a, of a, of a, of a minister and evangelist from Pakistan. It was an incredible experience where we could see the tapestry of God all in the church in one space celebrating together. And it was beautiful and it was powerful. I know God works directly through those distances and those differences, not despite them, but because of them and through them. That's what it means to be a part of the gospel story and, and a part of the church that, that lives it out. You see in the Ephesians that, that God is at work making peace. That what Jesus did on the cross and, and in, uh, in the resurrection was to make peace between two groups. Now, one of the things I've noticed is that uh, Paul uses some illustrations to, to share that. And so I want to share with you very quickly as, as, a, as a way of, of teaching us and, and guiding us on how to live this out a little bit further of how Jesus was, is in the process of making peace. I saw two specific things, and they're both construction analogies, that God, that Jesus was about tearing something down and building something back up. You notice in chapter two there, especially in verse, I believe, 14, that, that God is at work tearing down the dividing wall. That dividing wall of ethnicity and culture and language, kind of like the same barriers that you see in the world today. And isn't that the way of the world? To make barriers, to, to promote division and divisiveness? I had to chuckle just as an observation because I know some of you have strong feelings about this, but I know that there have been protests going around the country as a result of the quarantine and, and all of that. And generally a relative small, relatively small group of, of our population, but people that feel very strongly about this. But of course, because there were protests, then there were protests for the protests. 
And I happened to see that there were protests for the protests for the protests. And we all have opinions about this, of course, and we all feel very strongly about this. But you know, it made me realize this is the way of the world. The way of the world and the one that rules in the world, the evil one, loves to divide. And we as God's people, sometimes, man, we fall right into that trap. We follow that hook, line, and sinker, and we find ourselves dividing over things that God in Jesus Christ had worked so hard to tear down. And so my invitation and my challenge to you is to consider, have you been unintentionally trying to build up a wall that Jesus had already broken down? Have we been building up dividing walls? God is at work tearing the walls of division down so that we can be one in him. And in the process, as different people, as a whole tapestry of people, Paul uses another metaphor, building up specifically in the form of a temple. And I love this image. Christ is the cornerstone. The foundation was laid by the prophets and the teachers of the faith. And now we are being built up together as a household of God and built up together as a temple. Man, I've seen that a lot over the last few weeks. I have to give a little um, pat on the back to, to Pastor Jim because I've seen that at work in him so greatly. He, he has been so busy, partly because he can't sit still, but he's been busy for the Lord and building people up. I see it everywhere. And it just, uh, was it last week or the week before, he and other leaders of our student ministry went around and delivered care packages to, to homes just to encourage and to love on people and to build people up. I love that. And Pastor Jim inspired me. And earlier in this week, uh, my wife and I were thinking really there's a, a family, a, a group of, a family, some friends that, that the Lord had laid on our heart. So we, we made some cookies and we drove all the way down to Canton, Ohio and, and delivered cookies to their front doorstep just as a way to say that we love you and we're encouraging you here today. That is what it means to, to build up and to become the temple of the Lord. And, and the temple is the image of God's dwelling place. It's the very image of where God lives. We are being built up to be a very place, a very structure, a very construct where God lives and breathes and moves. Isn't that powerful? So how is the Lord building you up? Or how is the Lord inviting you to build others up? Let me tell you, there's lots of different ways. I know we're supposed to be physically distant, but if you get creative about it, I know the Lord will give you some ideas of who to build up and, and how you can build them up. I would challenge you to think through how you or your family might build someone up because this is a very living out of the gospel and it's aligning with what God is already at work doing, building us up so that we can be the temple where God lives. So, listen, the church it's not on pause. The church is, is not taking a, a vacation. I think in this time, 
we can be the church in a new and profound and powerful way because God is already at work doing that. The question for us is, can we be hospitable? Can we open up space for God to do that work within us? Let's pray together. Holy God, thank you for including us through Jesus, we are adopted into the household of faith. Praise be to God. And we stand in great gratitude because we were the ones that were so far off and yet you have brought us near. And together, we live as the family of faith, the body of Christ. Help us to capture that vision. Not as a directive to just get along, but to truly understand that this is the very gospel of Jesus Christ and that you are at work tearing down the walls of division and building us up into a structure, into a construct, into a place, into a community where you live and breathe. Help us to capture that vision, Lord. And speak to us personally how we might live in to that vision and be a part of that kingdom work. Let us be hospitable to you and your ways and all that you would have for us in this time. We pray only by your strength and power. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope this was encouraging for you and maybe gave you some things to think about. I would invite you, before you join me in the cafe in about 15 minutes, spend some time discussing with those around you or if you're, if you're by yourself, maybe reflecting on a few questions that will pop up on the screen. Uh, they will come in five-minute segments, so spend some time with each question as they're on the screen for you. Uh, reflect on them, and maybe we could tackle some of those as we connect at the cafe a little bit later. Thanks so much. We love you, church. And uh, we'll see you again soon. God bless you.